What's going on? It's CJ the Day Slayer from the Upgrade America podcast. Thanks for listening, liking, sharing, subscribing, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, so we did a little light, but we got some issues in there. Social issues, black American issues. Um, but overall, you'll see more of this type of podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy and ladies. Um, stay tuned and thanks for the support hope you enjoy the episode peace A lot of people talking, it's my turn to flow Pay attention, turn me up, it might turn to gold Camera for president, do a term or so Give the middle class a break and upgrade the pole They don't really care about us, duly noted I'd be a fool to go against Goliath and his band of tyrants If I ain't have faith in God We can upgrade America or break it apart I'd much rather do the former and run it like Jackie Joyner You can't beat us and join us Power to the people, now into the sequel I'm out here to defeat you Democratically, who wants to battle me? Camera for president is sure to be a flawless victory. Standing, so let's just get into it. What's up, world? We are live. Happy summer solstice and Father's Day to all you sperm donors out there. I'm Cameron Ra, host and executive producer of this is my favorite part. <laughs> Upgrade America, the greatest show on earth, soon to be Mars. I'm joined by fellow security forces veteran and my co-host and dear friend, poor CJ the Day Slayer. Talk to me, bro. How's life on your side? Upgrade America got the merch. Oh, I'm loving the swag. It's you a know, it's nice and soft. That's what's up, man. So I'll be rocking this today. I'm good in great spirits, grateful, blessed, had a good June team. Shout out to Chevy. Homegirl. Uh invited me out to a soiree. Of sorts. All right, what's up, man? Thanks for watching and thank you for the birthday wish. And the beloved beauty. Hi, what's going on on IG Live? All right. I forgot to uh, announce. Yeah, yeah. Today is my birthday, and you know, summer solstice and all. I dropped my latest book. It's called Skyward: Building the Dream. So I dropped a link for that. But um, this is something I've been working on for a very long time, and it is literally my dream. Like. This is something that I am pushing to uh, make come into fruition and manifest it. And my sole purpose for running for president of the United States. But yeah, just drop that book today, Skyward Building the Dream. You want to support my birthday? Buy my book. Big shout out to Sarlemagne the God and the Upgrade America team for plugging that and making that happen. That was yeah, man. really awesome seeing that. We're working with a lot of um, big people these days and, and more to come. But <laughs> Awesome experience, and yo, shout out to you, CJ, for plugging me with that plug to all these uh, to these connections, man. We really <laughs> making that happen. But what we got on the agenda? Uh, we freestyling it today, pretty much. But the main topic, we'll just go off of that, and then you guys will figure it out as we go along. Outstanding. We're talking about um, remote working, the impact of employers spying on employees. Mm. So, are you working from home, people? Do know that they're spying on you at work, your productivity, all that good stuff. So we're gonna talk about it. Um, we got some other headlines. I have to confess to our upgraders and our viewers. So <laughs> because Chris refuses to get an iPhone, we have to use this third party application to share notes. 
I may or may not have deleted the agenda for today. Oops, but it's my birthday. I can't get away with, with that, right? You we can. got the main topic, but we had a couple other uh, topics on there that, you know, a lot's going on in the world. We have plenty to discuss. So yeah. um, let's just get into it. I'll give a brief overview on some of the employee uh, spyware or productivity tracking as it's being referred to as. So employee tracking software has been on the rise for the past three months, obviously. Yo, what's up, Frost? Appreciate you watching. But it's been on, a lot of people are working remote, obviously because of COVID. And they said this, uh, these productivity softwares, they've seen a 600% increase in sales. Mm. Think about that. Not 100% where you double up, not 200, 600%. So that means more people are uh, are tracking productivity. So some of the big companies that are doing it is Proto, ProtoScore, HubStaff, IntraGuard, Time Doctor, and VeryClock, Transparent Businesses, and then there's several several others. As I mentioned, 600% increase since the start of the pandemic. Some of the softwares they record and they transcribe the text of all employee phone calls. So if you're working at a call center or something like that, and you're talking to having it, engaging with the customer, it's not only is it recording it, it's taking all of that and it's putting it into text. So someone can read line for line wow. with, with um, how do you say, with the customers. Then on top of that, the artificial intelligence, you already know, man, like <laughs> I love and embrace technology. I have some concerns with it. But the, anyways, the AI is reading all this and it's like, it's it's determining if your conversation was productive or not. And then it sends a, it sends a score to your manager every day. So, oh, and then it compares it against your, your employees, your colleagues. So they're like, yo, oh. Valley has a 98% productivity score. You got like 72, what's going on over here? Like, so it's setting daily metrics and expectations, which is kind of, uh, it's kind of weird, man. It's, it's, I can see that putting a lot of pressure on people. Yeah. Um, wow. So others, they track the time that the employee clocks in. Like as soon as you go to your computer, it's like, oh, okay, you clocked in at this time. And then, how do you say, it sends periodic screenshots of your uh, of your desktop. So if you're like, they like, yo, every time I look at, I get a screenshot, you're on Amazon or something like <laughs> You need to be, you need more work to do? Like, come on. Oh, wow. This is like mind blowing stuff. I'm listening. Dude, I didn't even get to the juicy part yet. Uh -oh. So some of the other metrics in these uh, productivity softwares, they measure how many times you click your mouse. Like mm. I'm guessing like by the hour or something like that. And then they also measure the, the duration of the movements, number of keystrokes and what you're writing. Uh, how many emails you're sending. Now, some they can permit you to read the emails, some you can't. And that's an ethical um, decision that a lot of employers are, are dealing with right now. Like how much, um, how deep, how much privacy are you gonna revoke from uh, the employees? Now, here's the last thing I'm gonna mention is that they are now uh, more aggressively spying on social media. Mm. Let's not use the word spying because that that makes that really vilifies the employers, but they are monitoring uh, <laughs> social media, what you're posting and when you're posting, 
and, and things of that nature. So this, uh, the whole 20th century workforce, it just got more exciting. But that's my preamble. What are your thoughts on it, CJ? What up, Zoe? Happy Father's Day on yep. IG Live. Um, oh, happy birthday and Father's Day to you, too. I don't know if I said in the intro. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah. And first day of summer. You know. I appreciate Man, it. You got all this going on. No wonder you'd be like, ah. All right. <laughs> that, Gemini, that Gemini power right there. Shout out to my Gemini out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yo, so just hearing all this and reading all this, well, not just hearing it. Wow. Like, whew. Now, um, like, I got to play devil's, devil's advocate because okay. some, some degree I get it because that is, um, we discussed this on season one. And we said that most likely in the future that people are going to be working from home just as a measure to save money from like, hey, now we don't have to pay for all these skyscrapers, things of that nature. But we didn't foresee COVID. But one of the biggest uh, nightmares is that productivity goes down. Like, you already know they're working in their underwear. Like, <laughs> they ain't getting dressed and suited up, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, do you really, are they going to be watching Netflix all day? playing uh, PlayStation 5 all day. Like, and this is a concern for, for employers because you don't have that direct supervision. So I can kind of see that. Mm-hmm. But um, at the end of the day, like the IT work that I, that I do, it's not just senseless clicking away. It's metrics that at the end of the day, there's deliverables. And if the work is done, the work is done, then you know, you're, you're, you're doing your job. And I think that's where we should move towards more of, hey, is he just being busy? Is he, is he just, or is she just sitting at her computer? We gotta make sure she sits at the computer doing something for eight hours or if, it, if the work's being done. And I think we brought this up on season one. Oh, Zoe said, uh, robots taking over, hey. take over. <laughs> Thanks for the birthday wishes. And for watching, man, appreciate it. Yo, the robots are, um, that's a reality too. And I guess that was on the list as well as one of the, the things we we're gonna discuss is how do you say Walmart really considering getting rid of all their cashiers for these uh, these self checkouts. But sure. um, thanks for Zoe for commenting. And I guess that's one thing I deleted from the notes that we forgot. This is the time uh, right now, if you guys have any questions, or comments or concerns or things you'd like to hear us discuss if you could hit us in the comments and yeah. you know we we will uh <laughs> we will interact with you guys yo ig live any comments questions throw it out we ready we we leaving a segment for you guys we'll still like you know the first hour you can still uh jump in say what you want to say whatever we try to get to everybody and try to read as fast as i can you know Yo, in, in the spirit of, you know, black excellence and buying black and everything, um, shout out to my dear lady, Ayasha, with the homemade ginger beer. Like, this is this is fire, but I think that's a little something uh, we can figure out the logistics, get that shipping nationwide. Um, okay. We can, uh, we can promote that. But um, I guess that's something we can discuss. I really said my spiel on, on the spying, unless you got something else. It's here to stay, and also, like we're gonna discuss later on in the show, is that technology's coming. Like, you know, what's up, Monte? Happy Father's Day, homie. 
we have to get technical because um particularly in a, and i'm speaking from for my black people for my people of color like we need to get into technology and you can a lot of people they hate the spyware and then they hate the automation and it's like yeah i get it but um you can you can't fight it i'm not saying if you can't beat them join it but learn learn how to uh, you know to manipulate it if that's if you're so inclined but um yeah we have to adapt i guess again like i said i don't i don't want to say like oh you, you can't fight this thing and you really can't it's uh the whole workforce in general I, I, it's gonna change dramatically and um i suppose we were gonna mention some remote jobs and there's more remote work that that's coming up yeah and, um this is something um that <laughs> it's crazy because we have been how long do you think we've had this traditional uh workforce model since like the Nin- 1900s like 19 maybe 20s somewhere in there I'm, I'm i'm thinking around the same time too and and wow put that into perspective Mm-hmm. 1920s and what is it now 2020 it's 2020 so it's a hundred years from this prehistoric uh model that we had before and it's only evolution that is going to change and changes is, is painful and i just i don't know man we see we, we laid it out in upgrade america i preached it all day but i didn't think it was going to come into fruition like this yeah, I think I think the pandemic definitely uh, expedited the rollout of oh we got all this technology let's start using it <laughs> like because what was um now as, as I mentioned in the book Upgrade America Policy for the Future that yeah. projected employment unemployment rather was going to be could be up to like forty percent mm. what is it now I know Have... over. And I'm off with the numbers because let's see, it should be twenty million. It was twenty million. Hour. Look up real quick. Uh, U.S. unemployment. Wow, it says employment rate. Well, I don't know. I'm looking at two different things. Mm I'm trying to see unemployment. It's saying employment rate is going to be 60% by the end of this quarter. It's going to be 60%? Yeah, but I'm trying to see what unemployment is. Um, and I don't want to assume if it's 60% that it's now because... Today, hold on, let's see. Okay. But it's, not way, really, it's not really given a defined number right now. Either way... It's, the, whatever the number is now, if this pandemic is long term, a lot of the policies that were outlined in Upgrade America Policy for the Future would really help the the American people right now from establishing a life force. Because while I love the Department of Defense and all my defenders out there, cool. we have so many branches for defense and more or less that you can translate that in, into war. But we have so very few 
just dedicated for the, the preservation of life or and, and health. And so just having that, a lot of, uh, how do you say, the universal basic assets, rather than giving money, give people, give, give them food. If this is long-term, you can't just keep giving people $1,200 checks and you'll make this work. They're going to need real uh, substance. Um, let's see, somebody from ID said, yeah, change is coming, but I feel like something, some things robots are not going to be able to do. So what's your take on that? Because we had a, we talked about this on another episode where robots can actually draw, paint, compose, yeah, and music. write um and, and write stories. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing: they can't replace the Upgrade America, <laughs> replace the Upgrade America podcast. So yeah, I agree with you on that. And perhaps this is another thing I, I was leaning towards as well, where the job market is changing. Mm-hmm. Like, you already know about affiliate marketing, and people can make money. People can make full-time living on that. I see more people doing things like that, making creative content to advertise things and making a living outside of the traditional workforce. Because yeah. this 100 years, you, you hit the, the nail right on the head, man. This It's 100 years that people were doing the whole punch-in, clock-out thing, and it's we're, we're, we're evolving quickly from that. Yeah, and that also goes to... Um education's been under the same model, at least in the US. We said that, oh man. So then there's another another thing that was mentioned in the book. We talked about doing, uh, how much money could be saved doing, um, how do you say, remote distance learning. And I, I, my, my sister's in the education system and she was totally against it. But I said, I do believe I said, even as a contingency, you know, you should have this plan in place. Because let's yeah. be honest, and, and I don't know, uh, I can only speak for, you know, the, the, the kids that I interact with, but the curriculums, what they're doing right now, it's, it's half-ass. And then when you speak to some educators as well, they'll be like, yeah, everyone's getting a pass. So that's cool for the end of one year, but long-term, like long-term, if you really think about until we develop a hard, uh, sound curriculum for these kids, their, their, their mental cognition may be in decline and that's something we have to take into consideration well what about this is the other thing i guess you can pivot on education i'm gonna be real i guess mm-hmm. from, from a parent standpoint how does that change how they have to work when say everything is going virtual now so what if they have a job that's not virtual but now your kid is learning so that's um okay so then that I do not have the solution for. Yeah. And say in my experience, like we'll be on meetings, you know, with like executives or something like that. And then you hear the kids in the background running around screaming. But it's like, there ha- there's a balance between that for the people who are working remote and then they have to balance their home life. It's a challenge, but I can see that after a while, you're going to learn how to balance that, establish guidelines and rules for the kids, designated workspaces, what have you. What you mentioned, how now you have kids who are at home, you know, mm-hmm. and um, how do you measure their, um, make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do and, and things of that nature? I don't know, man. Like, yeah. for, I, I, I don't, I really don't know. That's something we will have to brainstorm on because it's a, uh, this is a reality. Not every job can be done from home. Yeah, man. Um, so 
I don't know, man. That that's that's pretty interesting. I was thinking about because I've been watching my friends with kids mm-hmm. navigate teaching them at home and the virtual and balancing their work life too. And it's been challenging. So I've been watching them like, well, imagine this is permanent. Like, how does this go then? And then I'm also thinking about things school does teach you, like soft skills is like how to interact with different cultures, like how to deal with dealing with bullies, school crushes, like sports, like uh, debate, like these kind of things, like in the school environment, like plays, stuff like this. And I and I get that those are things that you learn uh, by default just from being in school and interacting with a lot of people. But yeah. essentially, school is what it's supposed to be training for the workforce. True. And while you have a lot of jobs that are transitioning remote, that whole a lot of the interaction is going to be done online. It's going to be through emails and calls and Zoom Zoom calls. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They're already getting prepped. They're getting hit to that. Yeah, that's true. Ready. So um, I totally get what you're saying as far as um, them learning those less, those valuable lessons by default. But um, my only argument is that was never in the curriculum, anyways. <laughs> wanted well, it to be. They could make you could make a class. Hey, this is how you deal with bullies. You like yeah. pick them in the nuts if you must, or chop them in the throat. But like. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about like, I'm not saying school was perfect, but I'm just thinking about those experiences you can't get online. Like, I I totally get that. I I see that. And it's like, but at the same time, if school is a a, a mirror reflection of the workforce, like, okay, and now you're doing your assignments online because that's what you're doing if you're working in any type of office. That's true. Like, um, I don't know. It's the, the people that you know that that may be pursuing careers outside of an office where, and I dare say they'd have to learn those lessons on the job. I guess. Yeah, I could see, and this is what I'm kind of picturing in my head. So you do pretty much all the book stuff or whatever virtual, but then like the soft skills, humanitarian, no humanity side, you actually do meet up with students and do that outside or offline or whatever. Maybe you would have more money for say traveling, field trips, um, stuff like that, because now you're doing everything digitally, that's easy. Plus also another benefit Mm -hmm. is that you can update the curriculum real time. You have no more antiquated uh, curriculum anymore. It goes as the world goes. So I like that concept. And now you mean because it's just online and it's not like hard school books or, or something like that? Yes, but then you need books as a contingency as well. So in case but technology fails. I, I agree. And I was going to say, like, don't you remember in DeVry how it was like we had a lot of our books were like ebooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just like you download them. And, but I guess you're right. You Maybe you do need hard books in case... <laughs> But, you know, the internet goes down or something. Yeah, that's crazy. But uh, you want to roll? What are we going to roll into next? Um, I guess, do you got those international stories up? Nah. <laughs> oh, man, we're just going to do a rapid headline anyway, so. 
All I can give you is just the gist of it. My understanding, there's some shots exchanged between. Why don't we just do a live Google between okay. India and China? All right. Now, this baffles me because I thought that they were in a little thing together, like their little NATO. Mm-hmm. BRICS, which stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. That's and right. Yes, I've heard that organization. Why do you guys fight each other? So let me just type in China and India war. China and India war. So I didn't even finish it and it's popping up for me. So, and this was four days ago. In China border dispute, conflict, years in the making load for me no pop-ups new york times up on here india china dispute a conflict explained the deaths of 20 indian soldiers in the brawl with chinese troops was the deadliest class between the two nuclear armed nations oh wow very true yes so there's yeah that's something to be concerned about so it says it's the deadliest clash between the two nuclear armed nations in decades but hardly the first so I'm looking at an image of uh, some guys in the DFP. You remember those days? Of those yeah, <laughs> I do. Oh, uh, man. And then there's, the worst thing is when you have to dig your own. <laughs> Takes hours. Uh, I got I got lucky. I didn't really have to do that much. So I got really lucky on that one. Oh, uh, man. I, I had my hours privileged to stand up some DFPs and all fun. So, okay, so the most violent encounter between decades. Yeah, I'm just trying to get the skinny to it. I just don't want to read this thing. Uh, But yeah, so there's conflict between those two nations. As we mentioned, they're both nuclear armed. And we also discussed how they're in some sort of union together. So what's the point of having it if you guys are going to fight each other? Well, I guess it comes down to everything. Like a group of people coming together for a common goal, but you're not always going to agree. You're going to have, what do they call that thing? Uh, when you do group work, it was four stages of group work. When you put together a team, ah, uh, what was it? We learned it in uh, the fry. It was like forming, storming, storming. Uh, Huh? Norming and then adjoining, I think is the last. Yeah, it's something like that. Four, I'm gonna look this up real quick because I'm. I wanna. This is good stuff to know, actually. Okay, cool. But cool. well, yeah, you're talking about the the yeah the phases of team forming and stuff like okay, that. Okay, I got it. All right, so I'll read this real quick. Okay, so there are four stages of you know, group coming together as a group to accomplish a goal, basically. So it's forming, coming together, storming. Everybody's going to fight, try to figure it out. You know, hey, who's doing what? Then you got, no, you got norming. Everybody got their role. Everybody sticks to their role. And then you got performing. You all come together to achieve the goal. I'm in the middle of a podcast. I'm kind of live right now. You guys are now on the show. Hey, happy Hey, well, thank you. What up, what up? Log on to Facebook and check out the podcast. I'm going live right now. Oh, all right. All right, thanks for the wishes. And buy my book. (laughs) Skyward. (laughs) Building the dream. (laughs) Oh, wow, yeah, so... Sorry, Facebook, I just got a FaceTime call from my sister and my beloved niece and nephew. That's love. But, um, yeah, so... 
You think they're in the storming phase now? Hard to tell, because that organization's been around for a while. How long has Bricks existed? Hold on. I can't say. Bricks. Countries. Let's see. Uh, Coin, it looks like maybe 2001-ish? No. Uh, 2008. May 16, 2008. So it's still relatively new when you consider yeah. how Tornado's been, in, been established. Yeah, that's 12 so years. We are still in the, the storming phase. They're working some things out. Yeah. <laughs> They're having some issues on, on the border and what have you. But um, there's another international story. Okay. What was that, what was that about? Uh, I can't remember. Um, I know one we're saving for the other episode. Yeah, yeah. one about, uh, about Ghana. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. We can move into the next one, I guess. You want to bring the race card out? Yeah, go ahead and bring it out. I mean, um, for one, yo, Chris, you sent me that that very cryptic uh, that that post where you're talking about the the KKK pretty much putting a hit out on on a lot of black people and uh-huh. black men in particular, and they're saying that um, you know that they're what looking for moving van look for moving vans large- do you have it in front of you because I, I don't because i'm broadcasting on my phone i got my okay phone. hold on let me look on whatsapp see if i can find it so i can read it directly okay i'm gonna check my email on um i think okay i got it okay cool read it off if you feel, please. okay this came from credit to sterling quick and we don't know if this is credible information we don't know we're just going off of something my mom sent me. Shout out to mom. Um, it says, warning, uh, KKK is trying to start a race war. The following states are being targeted for lynchings. Alabama, North South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Kentucky, Mississippi, Texas. The lynch mob have targeted African-American men from the above states. They're working in groups of three to six. Look for vans, moving trucks, SUVs. These men are law enforcement, but are killing under KKK white nationalist neo-Nazi. Be aware of the hours from 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. Mm. So. And um, that kind of gave me the chills, particularly because we're seeing all these lynches that are like, oh yeah, I don't want to say lynches. We're seeing people being hung from trees. And then it's just being dismissed as, oh, another suicide, another black person hung themselves from the tree. Yeah. Fuck, they do that. Um, that's very disturbing, and it's not getting a lot of attention. In fact, this uh, this the, the cop, the little female cop crying about McMuffins and shit. She's getting more media attention than these than black people who are hanging from trees. And I, it's. Weird times right now, man. I'm not asked you, Chris, like where you think we at on the threat perspective, the threat level. <laughs> that shit changed the other I night said, when I was sending you that. I was like, yeah, my I shit. Said Charlie good. before, and I'm still. Char- Is there a Charlie Plus? No. <laughs> well, no. What was it? Um, hold on. There's, yeah, cause I remember we were in Charlie one time. And what? all you civilians out there, you, you ever hear in the movies they're talking about like DEFCON 4 and 5 and things like that? Those are standing for defense conditions. But the FDCONs are force protection conditions, which is pretty much saying like, how bad is the threat? Let me see. Right I'm now, trying. I perceive it to be Charlie. 
Okay, hold on. So now I don't see it as a plus. But there's but there's an additional status I recall where it was like it could be Charlie something else. I, I don't recall what. I can't remember either. Sorry, defenders. You know it's been years. Um, I can I can read the um quick description of Charlie though. Okay, it a situation when a global terrorist attack has occurred or when intelligence reports that there's local terrorist activity imminent. And I suppose, like, we're our own intelligence unit. Yes. We're taking, uh, you know, the, the, the intel, the information that we're giving, and we're doing our own threat analysis. And when you're hearing about multiple hangings in multiple states, and then you have, you know, um, how, as Chris mentioned, the credibility of this source is to be determined. Yeah, we don't know. We're not sure. When you have that, the combination of these two, the, the, the state of the nation right now, the polarization of the nation, like damn near uh, civil unrest in, in many yeah. states. And um, you have a sitting president with, uh, you know, a, a lot of... Very insensitive rhetoric. Yes, he, and we talked about this multiple times. He plays both sides of the fence very well. He speaks to his base, but he also leaves himself wiggle room for mainstream America, if that makes sense. So he never tried to leave his- they were, what were they called, dog whistles? Yes, dog whistling. He does a lot of dog whistling, which means saying certain things Mm-hmm. to only talk to certain audiences for people that are not familiar with that term. So he said, oh, yeah, we're going to uh, shoot those looters. Well, his base that are fanatical like zealots, because I'm not going to say all of his base is like that, because mm-hmm. there's nuance within every base. They would be like, oh, that's minorities, people of color, all this. They're going to automatically go to that. But he didn't say people of color are minorities. He just said, yes. But like you mentioned, dog whistle is very subtle. And I get the analogy because a dog whistle is uh, the frequency is so high that humans can't hear it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, that's a very great analogy. But another one like that was where he mentioned in uh, the same speech where he was uh, saying he was going to use military force. He said something about protecting your Second Amendment rights. And that is can be indicated as a dog whistle, meaning like, yo, we're going to give you carte blanche authorization to shoot people. Yeah. You know, we're going to deem it justified. And again, when we're talking about taking in intel, I, when it comes from the horse's mouth, I consider that very uh, credible intelligence. And you have to analyze it and, and take it, you know, as a grain of salt. And right now, like I said, how I'm feeling I, I think it's Charlie and yeah, yeah. I'm, with you. I'm with you on that. We on the same page. Um, what was the actual story we had in there? Let's see. Click on it. Um, all right. So it was in California. Days <laughs> after half brother was found hanging in a tree. Uh, half brother was shot mid kidnap probe so the half brother robert fuller young black man was found hanging from a tree in palmdale california Mm -hmm. was killed um 
by L.A. Sheriff's County deputies during a shootout Wednesday afternoon. Wow. Oh, man. So basically they killed the brother, uh, the half-brother of the victim of the hanging. Yes. Now, how did they end up in the shootout? Okay, so it looks like I said they were investigating a report from Monday saying that Boone had pistol whipped and threatened a former girlfriend. Mm. Um, the cop said that Boone allegedly held the woman with whom he had an on and off again relationship with at her residence. Um, he's saying it's a standalone incident, of course, they're not going to really admit to it. They're saying it's a standalone, so it's not connected to the case. It's just coincidence that, uh, let's see. They said Boone has been charged with multiple criminal counts, including six counts of making criminal threats, four counts of abusing a cohabitant, two counts of false imprisonment, and one count of assault with a deadly weapon. Wow. So... They attempted to stop him on a traffic stop and they said he got out, started shooting. So they returned fire and basically took him out. It's so the cover detectors were like on a case, they was following him. So it ended up in the shootout. So again, that's, uh, that's... information to put it together but it's just like anytime you mention detectives and um or maybe it's because of the, you know the case in kentucky it's like anytime you're mentioning detectives and someone getting killed it just makes me like hmm what else is going on what else is going on here but again i don't want to i don't want to speculate yeah have too much uh too much information on that but it's um this is the news out there now were there any dog whistles from uh trump's latest rally Sure. I know it wasn't as packed as it was supposed to. I heard that uh, oh, it wasn't too um, attendance. Yeah. I heard there's a lot of misinformation campaign by K-pop fans. They flooded like all the communications, so people didn't get the right information to come. What is K-pop? Uh, it's like boy bands for Korea. Oh, it's really? Korean, yeah, Korean popular music. And then I was like, okay, because I thought so too. But I'm like, because I'm reading this article where that was mentioned. I'm like, okay, I'm thinking, is, what is K-pop in reference to like political? You know, and I didn't know what, why they felt uh, that. But that's that's interesting. Yeah, I read that not too long ago. What's up? What's up, Zeus? How you doing? IG Live. See. Um. No. What's up? There's a lot of speculation if it was because of Corona, but now that you, you, I hear you saying that, like that makes a lot of sense. It's disinformation. That's a uh, wow. I, I can totally yeah. that. I saw it on Twitter and it made me laugh because I was like, wow, that was a pretty good job for you to affect an. So event were you like saying that. you did like Facebook ads or something with false information? It was like they flooded the timeline. I guess of I don't know how they did it, but they basically spammed all the outlets to reach out to tell the supporters to come to the rally. <laughs> they flooded it to where it was confusing or something, basically. Well, that's, uh, 
that's an interesting form of sabotage. <laughs> I'm sure it's just not like um, it had an effect. You know, it clearly had an effect because that's what they're, they're showing. Uh, we've seen the coverage of it and it wasn't very, uh, didn't seem very full. Um, I don't know much about the speech. Um, I'm kind of curious. I'm look up what was said in the speech. Because, I mean, I didn't, you know, you let a day pass and I'm sure CNN or somebody, as soon as he says one thing wild, like it's a, it's a headline. And I didn't see that just yet. Not saying he didn't, but... Uh, well, he made history. Um, so, doing it right after Juneteenth, but doing it in Tulsa. So, like, either way, he made history with it during the pandemic on time. So, he mission accomplished, grand scheme of things, I guess you could say. Um, oh, they said something about a. Uh, Tulsa rally is the first big beta test of the Trump 2020 app. What do you mean? Let's see. Hold on. This is reported by Beast Inside. Dig deeper. Let me see. I'm trying to see what this is. I mean, it only makes sense he has, a, has an app. Everyone Which knows where, who you, let's see, knows where you are and who you know. This is the app. It's his oh, app? Hold on. So this might be related to that K-pop thing. Mm. So when the virus forced Trump to suspend his rallies, he lost access to the juggernaut that's supposed to keep Trump is hooked and help the campaign to find more of them. So I'm saying it might have been a virus involved as well with the Trump app, I guess. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I could totally see that. I mean, like I said, in this age, it's it's all information and um another thing i mentioned in the upgrade america policy for the future book yeah is uh, that we need a cyber force for large-scale cyber attacks yeah i've been hearing um we're gonna talk about i think we're gonna start highlighting certain politicians that are interesting mainly okay. younger politicians i want to kind of start doing that the one is, uh, what's his name? Dan Crenshaw, my friend Phoebe, shout out to you, girl. She put me on, he's a Navy SEAL, combat veteran, and he's a congressman in uh, Houston, Texas. And he's very fascinating. I don't necessarily agree with his, I would say, religious beliefs per se, but yeah. listen to him speak. He's very sensible. And I think he's an interesting character. He wears an eye patch, so he's definitely got to look. Which way is he leaning? Oh, he's uh, he's Republican. Okay, yeah, I think I'm. I think I noticed that. Yeah, and I didn't know. I didn't know of him, but my friend, like I said, Phoebe, she put me on. I started doing some research, watching some interviews. He's he's pretty dope, and he's like our age, actually. I think he's 36, 37. Hmm. So it's cool to see millennials in like Congress. Like we need more of that because when I hear him speak, he's speaking like we speak. Like we want just good quality policies to upgrade America. Like yeah, I sure did, bro. That's what we're trying to do. So well, after I reach out to him as well. Yeah. Um. What else we got? Let's see. Um, again, my bad for deleting. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, um, 
okay, maybe this is on purpose. Um, oh, so how did you feel about um, Dave Chappelle's stand-up? I know we're like a week or two late, but... Man, like, I was... It's eight, and I always get numbers jumbled up. Eight forty-six. Okay, yeah, eight forty-six. I think it was great. It took some momentum into, uh, you know, he was very sober for a bit, and as he should, because he's addressing some serious topics. But he still found a way to make me laugh about it and ease up the tension. But I really hope that. I don't want to say he dumbed it down for people who are not in the struggle so they can have a bit of empathy. But I really thought it was a, he did a great job. And, you know, he Dave Chappelle always spoke up about, you know, the black struggle for peace brutality. So it was like, anyone saying that he didn't do his part, like he went above and beyond by going out and doing that. And we needed that. Like, you know, right now, <laughs> you think it's, <laughs> It's, it's messed up now. <laughs> if they Chappelle didn't be that special, people would probably would have burnt the world down. Yeah. But, you know, like, I think that was a great way to ease the tension. Maybe I'll see if I can find uh, one of my favorite clips from it and then slide it in. I think it was what was really great was that he made it available. Like, you didn't have to be on, like, Netflix or anything. You know what I'm saying? You can get it right from YouTube. Yeah. That was full access. Ugh accessibility yeah, yeah. Did that you know and, and i think that was really great but what are your thoughts on it um this is a pop culture segment just as a like mm-hmm. audio reminder um <laughs> so um i thought it was very sober i didn't know what to expect going in watching it um i just remember people talking about oh it dropped and i was like all right and we we're all kind of like curious to see so i wasn't sure if it was going to be like how long it was going to be all that stuff but once i start listening i'm like "Ooh, okay this is not what i thought it was going to be but i'm intrigued and i think what it did was highlight the conversation we've been having with white america and the rest of america from a black perspective and i think his unapologetic way of expressing that was very much needed because a lot of the times we couch really how we feel, I believe. Sometimes we don't really... You said we don't truly express it. Like, um, I, I think the, yes, I agree, the whole blunt and, and breaking it down, that was, that was really much needed. I know a lot of people in the YouTube comments said, this one, one comment stuck out, it said, you came for a comedy show, but you stayed for a TED talk. I forgot who said it, but it was dope. I was like, yep, that hits it right on the head. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I could <laughs> totally see him getting up on stage on TED and breaking it down. And it, yeah. It, it, that way will resonate with people more and, and he can break through those <laughs> But again, I applaud him for that and I appreciate him taking the time. Oh, and what I liked about it, it wasn't like no forced celebrities like, oh man, I gotta go out and make a Black Lives Matter speech. Like, yeah. he kept it real. And I, I think that was off his own merit, not for any type of agenda or something. Yeah, and then I like how he related it to locally where they shot the special. It was awesome. Yes, indeed. So it true. was very dope how he did that. He's like, yo, I got the same cop to pull me over, killed somebody like the next day. And I was that, like, wow. wow. Uh, very 
crazy connection right there. Let me ask you this. Okay. Dumb question, I suppose. Well, I guess there are no dumb questions. Like, assuming we do take the White House, mm-hmm. what, would, what role would you think they should tell with the film? What role in the cabinet could he be with? <laughs> I know it's going to sound wild. I would love to have him as a, you know, the the press secretary. Just get up there, just like really dealing with the press, and I'd be like, "Yo, you got carte blanche. Be yourself. Be nonchalant." And Yo, I'm about to say press too. Handle, man. Handle, <laughs> handle. Yeah. And that Dave Chappelle would knock that out the park, man. Yeah, I agree with that. Actually, I was just about to say. I was like, that's the only thing that suits him because he's a people person. Yeah, yeah. So I could see him. Like in you know talking and relating to the journalist, he wouldn't be on some like ah, you know. Well, I think he could diffuse a lot of attention mm-hmm. between journalists and, and in the White House, particularly on like how he did that, like how he did the special. Like that was a prime example on how he diffused a really really tense subject, and you know he, he broke it down and he's articulate. He's a great absolutely. Person. And I would be in the press conferences and be like. That would be fascinating. And you know what? One thing I will give Trump credit for is the fact that he's broken down the door of political correctness. Yes, and, I like that. That's one thing um, I admire about that because I think that's something I would have struggled with. Yeah. Is just trying to be in that square. And, yeah. Um, I, I think we need to deviate from that because it's like it's it's pretty much saying be fake if you're gonna be a politician you gotta be fake yeah what's up bro thanks for watching man it's uh my buddy from the army you know all right soldier (laughs) (laughs) battle buddies man no but um yeah i think the the diffusion of political correctness allows people to be more real and more formal and wouldn't you much rather learn who the candidate really is than to see their like their their how do you say their little paper cutout cardboard cutout of who yeah. the perfect politician is? And I think that's where Hillary Clinton suffered the most because she was too generic. She was too like cookie cutter politician, and you didn't know who she really was. Where Trump is out there calling Rosie Donald a the fat, disgusting pig. I'm like, but he's running for president. And that, that baffled me. Yo, Keith is saying, what's up, bro? Liking the progress the show is made. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know what I'm saying, Keith? Like, we just getting started, but I appreciate the, you know, the comments and the feedback, man. Yeah. But it's greatest show on earth, only getting greater. Yeah, but man, appreciate it, Keith. Full correctness, like, I'm all for it. You know, I mean, at, at best, like, let's just try to be, I don't want to say professional, but... Um, yeah, professional. That's a good word. Like, you can be professional, but, you know, when you're talking to Americans, keep it real. Yes. Like, I think when you talk to, say, when you go on these G, G20 summits and all this, then you be presidential professional. Yeah. You know, you read the room. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? You got to adjust to your adapt to your environment so but he has given now i'm curious to see after him though will the same standards go back to how it's supposed to be in that box or will it forever be broken 
Um, I don't want to say forever broken. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I don't want to compare how you say apples to cinder blocks. Like <laughs> how once Barack Obama took the Oval Office, mm-hmm. America would be more. America has seen a black person in office. It'll make them. If another black person takes the office, it's just like yo, we got another black president. Whereas like you know, the next person taking office, if they were just as vulgar and uh, I don't know, there's clearly a base for that. There's clearly a group of people who, who, who like that type of conduct and they support it and they'll vote for it. So I think a precedent has been established and uh, I'm not saying it has to be like that, but don't quote me. Uh-huh. There were a lot of the political candidates, particularly even on the Democratic side, that were using profanity like after, what was it? The fuck was his name? He said he was going to take my AK-47. Not Beto, Beto O'Rourke? Yeah, after he just started yeah. using some curse words and everyone went on and they're like, I'm going to use some profanity too. I'm like, okay. Yeah. But um, I think, just me personally, I want, if I didn't vote for Trump, I didn't vote for Hillary, but it's like, I felt like, I'm like, okay, at least I know he's a jerk. I don't know who she is. And yeah. that's why I'm trying to be like, myself so people you at least you know what you're getting but, yeah that's true and i think other politicians should uh you know play that as well but, um did you see the uh spike lee joint on netflix the five, five Bloods? yeah I, I forgot to tell you that i did finish that i'm glad you, you you remember that what was your thoughts on that um was i was very i was very emotional because i've been to vietnam i went to the war museum i walked those streets I've interacted with Vietnamese people, and I think I put it on my Instagram after my trip or during my trip mm-hmm. that the Vietnamese mirror Black Americans and what they went through in the Vietnam War. Like I've seen a lot of parallels to that. I think they're like, trying to draw those as well, and that's what I yeah. kind of enjoyed about it too. And you got very, emphasis, you've uh, been down, but not as a not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah like that old. You see it. I put it this way: you see it when you go in that war museum. I saw this one thing plaque that stuck out to me. I forgot the general's name. He said it. He said we're gonna bomb them back into the Stone Age, and pretty much almost succeeded for the most part on that mission, that objective, even though. Historians say that was basically a stalemate, Vietnam War, from the U.S. perspective. We didn't really win it. Yeah, because it's like, we don't have so much influence and control over that nation even to this day, right? No, we got a big-ass embassy there. <laughs> it's us, <laughs> France, uh, what was the other big-ass embassy I saw? Or consulate. That shit was like blocks. Like, I remember we were walking. I was like, what is this? And I happened to look and I saw the seal. It was the US seal. I was like, wow, like, this is the embassy. But I mean, are we involved in their foreign policy? I'm not sure to that degree. Maybe economically, mm-hmm. develop, economic development, I could see foreign nations involved with that because they are building up. I went to like the business district as well mm-hmm. in the City. And that looked very modern, like compared to, to like Singapore or Japan or something like that. 
we mentioned last episode, like, that's where not a lot of Americans, but a lot of bloggers, podcasters, and stuff like that, they're living in, like, Vietnam because you can live like a king on, like, 35K a year. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, back to back to Five Bloods, man. Okay. Like, um, um, I loved it. Only going on in there. Say again? There are a lot of themes going on. Yes, it was. I think... Um, PTSD was one. Yes, uh, I as well. Cultural exchange, like seeing similarities, differences. Um, the scars of war. Um, reconciliation with what the past was. Like I've seen some cool scenes where I could see like, all right, we both fought each other, but now we're at a place where we did what we had to do for our country. Um, the the racial agenda was there as well, and mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies is Dead Presidents, particularly how they depicted Vietnam, and um, one of the most powerful scenes, and is why I hated pooping in the jungle, was like, well, the guy who's taking the shit, and then the, the Viet Cong, like, they, uh, they took him, cut his dick off. And then they put propaganda on his chest, like saying about, you know, GIs go home. But my understanding, they did that. They had propaganda specific for black American soldiers. Yeah. What was that chick's name? Um, You're talking about the chick who was on the radio? Yes. I don't recall her name, but she was spreading that message. And they were trying to get a lot of black soldiers to defect. And like, because you really think, what was the timeline for Vietnam? Uh, in the 60s, middle of the 70s, yeah, you know, uh, then they're the height of the civil rights movement where, where black people are getting abused and you know, and we're not getting justice and freedom. However, we were getting killed disproportionately. More what they say, like, and I'm not even gonna try to, to pull the stats out of my head, but it was, it was a high enough number to let you know that black people were being exploited in that yeah. conflict, and um. They knew it. That was pre- that was present in that in that film, and I, I like how that was represented because that that that's real. And you don't some films capture that, but but not all the time. Yeah. What else was was really stood out? The PTSD. Yeah, I do uh, agree with that. Like that was represented in that film. Um, the only the only I guess critique I had is I wish with the casting with the flashback scenes in the movie they had actually younger people doing that instead of I noticed that too yeah like, I didn't like that like like why do you look like you're forty in Vietnam and then yeah. you still look the same like I agree but at the end they did that like um, that photo where they like used it and perhaps he, he Spike was doing it on the budget you know. It, yeah. It, but why? End product, I say, is worth checking out. Oh, absolutely! Like worth checking out. And we we spoken about this well on season one about <laughs> being black in the military. Like it's it's an interesting experience. Like it's not what people think it is. Um. So this film really highlighted that because I remember in World War Two, same thing. They had a German chick speaking on the radio, also to the black soldiers 
saying, hey, we love chocolate. Like, what what movie was it? Um, was that Inglorious Bastards? No, it wasn't Inglorious. It was either another, I think it was the other Spike Lee movie, or it was Save It Private Ryan. I don't remember which one it was. It was one of those movies. It was what a World was War II one. Huh? What was the other Spike Lee one? It sounds familiar, but what was what was the Germans' ideology on? It was it was similar to uh, Vietnam. No, 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 no. I mean, we're talking about the Nazis here. Oh, like I don't think they were particularly fond of uh, black people. It was more like propaganda psychops, basically. Interesting. Like, same concept, like yo, put that. Or maybe, I don't know how much the Holocaust was covered during World War II, but surely they had to know that they're not fans of Jews. They might not be fans of black people. Yeah, I would have to dig deep into that one. Look that up just for purpose. Hold on, but there's, a, there's this thing that's circling around and I, there's no credibility to it, but it says it's a quote from Hitler saying like that Amer why Hitler hated America is because America stole all of of god's jewels and then the soldier's like what do you mean he's like the uh the, the negro or something uh, is wow. god's jewels and there's yet to be verified i think lamp sent it to me or he posted some, or something like that i'll see if i can dig into it if i can see that and post it i don't know but that's he's a happy. great <laughs> interesting point yeah um what was I gonna say? Yeah, that's interesting, but I can only imagine like, oh, no, one more scene before the Five Bloods, real Hold quick. Hold on, Keith said Miracle at St. Anna. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, very good movie. That's the uh, Spike Lee joint. I, I yeah. want. I've seen it. They were fighting in Italy, I believe. Oh, <laughs> my camera just flipped. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, no, I've seen that. Now. I may have to watch that again. Yeah, it's it's a scene in there where they were talking. I don't remember what you're what you're saying now. Mm -hmm. I have to give it some thought. Yeah, but uh, one thing about Five Bloods that hurt that hit me was when I forgot her name, something Hanoi. Um, that was her name, Miss Hanoi, or something like that. When she was reporting the news to the yeah. black soldiers, that man, I could just only imagine what that felt like. Oh, did she say when she mentioned uh, Martin Luther King? Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I remember they that really did get in their heads, and they're like, "Yo, they're they're gonna do what they had to do." And then there's like the leader was like, "Nah, man." He calmed them down. They busted their weapons in the air because I'm sure they wanted to get that aggression out. But, yeah. Do you recall hearing any how um how any black people reacted in uh during that time when that was announced? No, I remember in Black History Month, one of our clips we put in was kinda they were describing it, soldiers in Vietnam. Describing how they felt serving during that time, but not really hearing the news. I'm sure there's footage out there though of them hearing it. You, Somebody took a picture or photo. They could have controlled that information, and maybe they did, and perhaps that's why the Viet Cong were broadcasting it, because that information was controlled. But yeah, that was a pretty powerful scene for me, too. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. I could only imagine it. And it, it, it 
does hurt, man, because it's like we're talking about our experience being black in the military. In 2000, you know, I, I served from 2004 to 2012. Yeah. But like, just trying to empathize with them serving in the 1960s in the, in the height of the civil rights movement. And it's like right now, it's like I feel some type of way like about like the way the government is handling things and just other people's responses and insensitivities to the black struggle and it's 2020 like imagine in the 1960s feeling that same way when the largest civil rights leader gets assassinated and then i'm over here you're sending me on suicide missions you know and not even viewing me as an equal like I, i that hit me hard too yeah, and then I'm thinking of the other world war, World War One, World War Two, Korean War. Like, imagine the racism during those times. On top of that, oh, I couldn't imagine. Oh man, you hear those stories like, um. So, what else are we talking about? So we, that was like our pop culture, right? Um, yeah, technology. Some, yeah, I was gonna say you have something on technology. What were we discussing for that? Um, I wanted to talk about the last bastion of technology from more of a traditional point or probably going extinct is the library. <laughs> like that's one of my favorite places in the world to go, no matter where I'm at, is a lot especially a nice library. Like Orlando, downtown Orlando has one of the best probably libraries in, in the US. Now how is it affected by COVID? I have no idea. I haven't been there. I have, um, what do you call it? I have library cards for the one down the street from me and the other one is two, I'm by two libraries. So I don't really have to go to the one downtown Orlando. Um, I think they're open. They probably practice social distancing and all that good stuff, I'm sure. No, I mean, I get the, the nostalgic feeling of like, you know, holding a paper book and, and, you know, scrolling through archives of old newspapers and mm-hmm. old films. I get it, like, that's a nostalgic feeling, but I dare say all the information, if not a majority of it, is transcribed digitally online mm-hmm. and access that from anywhere in the world. But at the same time, I, I get what you're saying. For me, I think it would be more, like I said, a nostalgic uh like kind of like museums sort yeah yeah i think it would so be what like, do you think a future library look at look like uh, like an iphone like an iphone Damn. that's a future library when you really think about it it's, it's really in the cloud yeah if everything you want is oh you need this book boom download it from kindle oh you need this magazine article here you go get it from these archives like I don't want to say it's antiquated, but you, I think that's a great analogy to comparison to compare it to a museum. Yeah. It's like, oh, you want to, you want to touch the books? Like, here, you can go to a museum and I'm sorry, I'm calling it a museum already. (laughs) The library. (laughs) I'm going to throw this out there for folks who don't use the library, haven't used the library. There's a wealth of resources there to help you in all facets of life. Also, I'll give you an example. I went and they had a screenwriter's course there for free, hmm. from author or whatever. Go there, they have adult computer learning services there for free. They have, they teach Excel, Microsoft Access, all this stuff. Um, 
even the one downtown, you can even go in the studio, book a time and go in the studio and record something. What do you mean, like recording studio? Yeah, like music or whatever. Let's say now that you can't do online. Oh, this is a great resources to have, but all the classes and stuff like that, that can be done online. There's very few yeah. things you need to be face to face for. But yeah. I don't know if they've become obsolete, particularly the ones that are like um, historical structures and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I said, I've seen them going to more. Like... Go ahead, I'm sorry, I cut you off. I was saying, I imagine they'd keep them around, but they would be like a. Um, a historical museum type of thing. Yeah, I don't know. This... They don't even let people touch the books. They're like, yeah, you can look, but don't touch. But we still got the Library of Congress. Yes, indeed. But even that's so, online. How's that, how's that gonna play out? In the that's future? online as well. True. Like I tell you, all information is transcribed online. Like, and um, I don't want to say they're becoming obsolete, but we don't know when this crisis is gonna end. And so, like, um, until then, you know, all our information is, is being managed on the internet. But, sure. What else we got? Uh, let's see. We're talking about Walmart removing cashiers, well, all human cashiers, and going to all self-checkout. Yeah. Do you got that article up? Yeah. Right. I do not. All right. I'll read it real quick. Walmart is looking to remove all cashiers and pilot tests as grocers move towards automation. So this is four days ago. What's the, I'm trying to see the source. Um, anonymous news, facts and opinions. So I don't know how credible I guess it is. It's from website of anonymous. I don't even know if it's theirs per <laughs> se. Um, Walmart is looking to remove all cashiers and standard conveyor belt lines from its stores and testing a testing a pilot in one of its superstores in Fayetteville, Arkansas, in the short term. So that's where Walmart originated is in Arkansas. Okay. Um. Let's see. Wow. All self checkout counters. Walmart stated a test was to attempt to see if checkout times are faster while limiting human interaction in the age of the pandemic. Yeah, and that's another thing. I, I totally see this, again, this pandemic really uh, forcing the need, like you mentioned, to, to use technology to uh, handle transactions more safely. Like I see they got the splash guards, the sneeze guards up for the cashiers and stuff. Mm -hmm. Eventually they, they the safest way would be to not have cashiers. Wow, that's a lot of jobs, bro. But one of the biggest complaints of Walmart is there's never enough cashiers. And but uh, we did mention um I mentioned that in the book, man. Like the cashiers are they're they're actively working to to replace that. And um that's just a start. I don't know where it's going to go from there. And the thing is, it's like when you automate everything, who are you going to be automating it for at the end of the day? Like if you're just taking jobs, taking jobs, okay, like, well, now who's going to go to the self-checkout? Like who's still going to be earning money? Like to, to be utilizing these services. And I, I don't know how it's going to work in, in the future. But... 
don't know. Um, well, we saw it fast food. They're going more automated as well. Yeah, I've seen some robots where they're, uh, they're flipping burgers and stuff. I'm like, there's no end in sight for this. But again, yeah. those in my new book, Skyward, like, the only job that can't be automated, or what I think that humans would still be proficient in, right, is generating energy. And um, it's outlined in the book pretty much. It's like, even if you had a treadmill, where you just ran on it and you're producing energy to put onto a grid, that's worth something. It has yeah, I remember, um, what was this, some Indian dude came up with that kind of technology where you can cycle and power a light bulb and all this kind of stuff. I've seen one that you can wash your clothes. Yeah. Like, you can wash your clothes while you ride the bike. And then there's also some that you can use it as a generator. But on yeah. a grand scale, if you think if you had like half a million humans doing this and generating currency they could not currency but uh, electric electricity like it can generate power but i think that's how humans are going to earn in the far future you know that's that's a way to earn revenue because when the majority of things are automated and they don't have the skills to do it it's gonna it's crazy but <sighs> i can talk technology all day particularly yeah. with, uh my my wonderful new book what else you got on the agenda, bro? Um, what was this? Trump removed, let's see, Facebook removes Trump ads for violating hate policy. Yeah, so historically, I guess the, the triangle that the, the Trump ads were using was how Hitler, like, indicated his enemies back in World War II, and it was pretty obvious. Like, it was pretty blatant. Yeah, that's what they were talking about. Um, this is interesting because it's not the first correlation or similarity from Adolf Hitler to, to Trump like if you recall uh, him bragging about boosting the, the, the numbers and stuff like that for employment and how it can be measured the Nazis did the same thing too it's like they they inflated numbers and, and things of that nature even use similar slogans I believe like wasn't make Germany created Again, one of those, I don't, Something like that. I don't know. Let me Google that. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. <laughs> Before I, I'm, I'm quoting, you get a false news, fake news label on us. Well, you know, we reckless already. So make, everything is like copyrighted every episode. <laughs> copyright violation. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's because I'm using my graphics. Yeah, probably. Okay, so let me type this in. So, okay, so this is, what source is this? Snopes.com. So I, I believe they're one of the fact checkers. Are they? Various images attempted to connect Donald Trump and Adolf Hitler through slogan promises to make respective countries great again. Okay, so let's see if there's any validity to that claim. As the Nazi party rose to power, Hitler used the slogan, make Germany great again. Okay, let's see examples. So, I heard online that one Adolf Hitler, yes, that one, had a slogan that translated make Germany great again. This seems to be a little bit too perfect for me and I'm sure it's sometimes blah, blah, blah. Is there any truth to it? Just something that people wish were true. So, what's true? A prominent theme during the Nazi party's ascendancy was restoring Germany to its former greatness. 
Nadav Hitler used the phrase make Germany great again upon, a, upon occasion. What's false? Make Germany great again was not a campaign slogan employed by Hitler. Donald Trump and Adolf Hitler are far from the only politicians who promise to make their countries great again. So yeah, uh, that's fair. That's a fair, fair assessment. Yeah. Um, at the same time, using those triangles was, uh, it was so blatant that it was caught very quickly. But to some extent, I think he's using, uh, he's using uh, Adolf as a, as a freaking blueprint. Yeah, and it's uh, it's just me personally, but I think the end goal is this whole authoritarian state, and that's kind of how that regime was at the start of uh, World War Two. What do I? Well, you have any thoughts on that? Um, I was hearing that Facebook did donate to his campaign. I would not be surprised. But at the same time, they have some sort of responsibility if there's some, how do you say, anti-Semitic or uh, yeah. some <laughs> resemblance. I, mean, uh, I would hope so. I think isn't it, isn't he Jewish, Mark Zuckerberg? I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. But I mean, it's just a responsibility from his platform. Like I get that. And yeah. Um. What's the other thing with with those uh? Those cards predicting everything that was happening. Ah oh, man, see that's why I'm glad. Um, see your sharp memory, man. Even when I delete all the the notes inadvertently. Well, so you yeah. happen you happen to leave that link in there. <laughs> I did leave that in there. Yeah, okay. that's what's up. Because this is it is pretty mind blowing. Yeah. So um, everyone who's out there, do you remember where you were at in 9/11? I do. I was in high school. 9-11, I was in um, Yeah, you were in B&T. Yeah, I was third week, third, fourth week, somewhere in there. Shortly after that, the conspiracy theories started rolling. And these cards came out, believe it or not, they came out in 1995. But they have... Depictions on them. I'm gonna bring it up so I can describe it myself. Okay, I'll let you take lead on that. It's actually called, if you Google it, it's called the New World Order Game. And it's a card game. And it's pretty creepy when you look at it now and, and you see what's going on right now in current events. I'm gonna describe it real quick and then when we um, mix it down, I'll put this image in. I can, oh, I can't, this one's too small. Let me. But they brought these up during the time of 9/11, and everyone was like, "Oh my God! Like, there's twin towers. You can see it." And then we didn't know about the other ones. We didn't know what else was going on because those didn't happen yet. But these cards seem to be uh, the prophecy on these cards seems to be, be eerily becoming fulfilled. I'm just trying to find an image that's big enough for me to bring it up. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. first one says rewriting history. I'm not too sure what that one's really going into. It just looks like a trash can with a bunch of books and, and stuff into that. I'm not prepared to discuss that because I don't know too much about it. The second one says terrorist nukes. And guess what? It says it shows the Twin Towers there getting blown up. And then the next one, it's a picture of the Pentagon. And it's also being attacked. 
And these are the ones that everyone was dwelling on. Because again, I, I emphasize this card game came out in 1995. And that's like six years prior to uh, to um, 9/11. Yeah. So next one that comes up, that's on there it says uh, goal population reduction and then it shows all this smog like over a city and then you see one that says counter center for disease control doesn't that sound familiar the next one says epidemic and it says quarantine and has medical stuff on there and then the other one says combined disasters it looks like it's Big Ben and something else is getting blown up but this one is a really hit close to home. I'm looking at this one. It says another one that says goal. It says kill for peace. And what do you see? An officer kneeling. Again, I emphasize <laughs> that these cards came out in 1995. So you must ask yourself, is this a blueprint? A co coincidence? Like, I don't know. The scary mm -hmm. part is, as I mentioned, the majority of these cards have already come to pass. The scary part is, there's still one more card, and it shows the world being blown in half. So that one uh, leaves me a bit concerned. But yeah. Yeah, I'm going to tag that in there. Please, I emphasize, don't listen to this wild man on the internet. Do your own due diligence. And yeah. you may be shocked when you go down the rabbit hole. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, I saw that when you sent me that. I was like, whoa. Now, to be fair, there was a World Trade Center bombing in 93. Yes. That was unsuccessful. Very... Yeah, I was about to say it was at the base. It was at the base of the tower. Exactly. And, um, when you're when you're look when you're looking at the, the attacks and then also what's being depicted in the picture, it's granted it says nuke, but it's still being hit in the uh, higher up in the building. Exactly. So, uh, when that was great. Pentagon was again. It wasn't a nuke, but it shows how it was a uh, short hell was attacked. So, and then to tie something we discovered based off of one of our episodes, the George Floyd riot episode, where we talked mm -hmm. about the New World Order. Since we we're already in this realm, <laughs> we discovered. I think Cam discovered that the website is no longer having that information that we read off during the episode. That blew my mind. Did you check it out? Yeah, I went. Uh, it just had a smiley face or something. That. But yeah, all that information that we revealed, they totally took that down. So that was um, not so much disturbing, but it was maybe like, oh, too soon? Too soon? Yeah, <laughs> take <laughs> I gotta take that back. Yo, I mean, wiped it. Like, it just had initiatives, 10 billion help happy or healthy or something and then like that's even it even when you click on that you can't get that information now which well is that's the last thing i saw was those three little hashtags and that was it and like a smiley face you think they listened to me because i did directly speak to the un the last time we were discussing that but yeah it took it into consideration yeah, you should reply. Yeah, that, was, that was one of our better episodes too and i noticed also throw this out there our other episodes that have been censored because it was against the mainstream agenda don't think we haven't paid attention to that shout out to intelligence yeah, yeah. Today. and um you know we, i guess it's like this was cool because we kind of took a step back from what's uh, everything that's going on and um we're taking some time to unplug i mean we did cover a little bit on the one since but like it's 
Vasanana. I don't want to spread the, the the hatred because you know things of that nature is like yeah it's great to be aware we need to know what's going on but I'm gonna keep it real like every time I see stuff like that it pisses me off it really does and um, by further promoting that we're we're spreading hatred and again we gotta be aware we're just giving you a break because you know if some crazy stuff pops off we we definitely gonna cover it and represent it but right now. We want to. We don't want to like beat y'all to death with doom and gloom. Yeah. So, any uh, personal experiences that you've encountered lately? Um, I know I wanted to talk about. You wanted me to talk about the spikes in Corona here in Florida since mm-hmm. we're open. Um, I had an experience where I went out and like went to actual bars and sat down and ate and like all this stuff for the first time. Really? Huh? Huh? Indoors in the bar? Yeah, but it was out. It was like El Fresco, like outside, inside. So I was inside, but breeze can go through. Like, so it's kind of outside too. Um, But it was interesting, like with social distancing, for the most part that was being practiced. Um, The paper menu, it was a paper menu instead of like laminated and all that. Disposable, I imagine. Yeah, and then it looked like the menu was limited too, like to certain stuff as well. So, um, alcohol-wise, they were very cautious about like covering it and like make sure your straw still had the paper on, like all this kind of stuff. Um, now with uh, with staff wearing masks. Yeah. Hmm. Um, well, you didn't have to wear one. So obviously, you're consuming beverages and food. Yeah, I had my. I always keep mine on me so I could just pop it up um, in case. I know Orange County, Orlando area, which is the county of Orlando, they man they making it mandatory you have masks when you're out. Okay. Um, so that's why I always keep my bandana slash headscarf slash all that. It's like all of that combined in one. And I need um, to sense some good mask as well, just because. The experts are now saying like this pandemic is gonna go long into 2021. So like um yeah, I need to get need to get us some designer ones or something. Yeah, I mean I got and then what's interesting is trying to when you interact with people and this is kind of a conflict I ran into when I hung out my homegirl at the gathering on Friday was how close to be to people now Mm -hmm. like touching and like all this stuff now because we live in a new age now and I go off of energy so if I feel like you got good energy more than likely I'm gonna give you a hug so trying to balance that with being safe but and me and my friend talked about this shout out to Demetrius Ice Cold another fellow defender um he said, and I think we've touched on this, you take a chance anytime you leave your house anyway. Yes, indeed. So at this point, all you can do is just keep up your health, your immunity, and avoid too much of a crowd or whatever. And that's kind of my mindset, to be honest. Like, I'm not going to live in fear, among other things we need to worry about right now. But yes, indeed. I'm not going to live in fear like that. My understanding is like the fear actually messes with your immune system absolutely it's like that's another reason i kind of want to unplug from all this and i go hiking and all that it's just like yeah absolutely 
you know, it's to unplug from all this bombardment of negative news and, and mm -hmm. but that that affects your immune system and I agree. And it's like what you gotta take into consideration, and I'm not saying don't be safe, you know, continue to keep up your social distancing and, and what have you, but when they initially mentioned this, they're saying that cases were doubling every three days. And then I did the math, I'm like, oh shit, like yeah. exponential growth. There's gonna be twelve million cases by April. Well, here we are in June. And um we're at a hundred thousand. Well we're at a hundred thousand deaths, maybe a bit more. Okay. But um maybe there is over twelve million cases. But on the bright side, it's just not the lethality rate isn't as high as they expected. So, yeah, it's, it's what less than one percent, if that. Yeah, so it's like, so are we just going to be like it's the eventually it's just to be like yo, it's the flu. Now you got to worry about the flu and COVID. It's it's COVID and flu season, like okay, drink more orange juice. Like I don't know, but um, that's standing in the way of going back to normal. I don't think it's ever going to go back to normal. Yeah, and we have spikes here in Florida. Um, mm -hmm. since we've reopened. Let's see, we think we're at phase, maybe phase three tomorrow might be open. I'm not sure. Phase two is pretty much like bars and museums and stuff should be open now. Um, so I don't know, I have to look. But yeah, like I said, I keep my scars on in case I have to wear a mask. Um, and they're also saying be careful with the mask. I think we brought this up too because it affects your, uh, your breathing by wearing that constantly, mm -hmm. it actually doesn't help you breathe. It actually exacerbates. So if you catch a cold or COVID, it'll be worse for you constantly wearing your mask. So you do need to take breaks with your mask off. So that's gonna be tricky. Yeah. So for me, I try to wear it when I need to. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously when I'm driving, no, I'm not gonna wear my mask. But if I go somewhere like a store or something, pop it up. Huh? Where while they're driving. I don't know, but I see it all the time, and that's funny. I'm while I'm driving too, and I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to rationalize it. I'm like, can COVID go through the air filter and then like get through there? And now like, if someone sneezed out the window, is that how it works? I don't know, but I'm not going uh, Yeah, I don't know either. We're just in different times and we just got to adapt to it. We'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, like, Life is great. Life is grand. You know, um, I'll tell you this much. If you're listening to me live and you're watching it, you're blessed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Breathe deep. You can breathe easy. You're, you're blessed. And um, that's how we got to look at it. I'm feeling blessed. I got another 365 days on our beloved planet. You know what I'm saying? Like 37. I'm blessed. I'm feeling wiser, feeling great. Like got a lot of opportunities and a lot of people were, uh, you know, powerful people were, they are noticing our brand, man. Yeah, Guys, you know it. America, we're just getting started. <laughs> they think we're playing, man. But I love the t-shirt, bro. I'm, I'm glad that's, that finally came this fitting. I like it too, because it's soft. I Those like deck just DM me for the Upgrade America swag. You know, we, we can send that right out. We're going to have a, uh... hey, well, thank you, T. <laughs> Happy birthday. 
But yeah, um, again, apologies for deleting the agenda. But you got anything else on there? Uh, nah, that was it. We covered pretty much everything. Um, I will tell our black listeners and viewers, definitely use caution with mm. your family. Cam reminded me of this because I'm making a trip soon to see my family. Um, just be aware of your surroundings, you know, definitely over women and children, especially because they're very vulnerable. Not saying black men aren't, mm-hmm. but you remember we're taught, you know, anytime you conquer a nation or you declare warfare, you take out the men first. Yes. That's just how it goes. Those are the people that are going to resist the most. So we're just saying be safe. We gave y'all the warning. We don't know what's credible. I haven't heard heard anything from the FBI or anything like that. It's something I would like to dig into to see if there is credibility with that. Um, oh, did you, what channels would you go through to do that? I don't know. I think State Department, maybe FBI, Homeland Security. They probably disclose that. I don't know. That's the question. I would like to uh, find out information out as well as far as, you know, um, the racial threats. They, perhaps they do publish such reports. Maybe. Um, At the same time, um, I guess we didn't really touch on the, the blue flu. Did you want to? We got a little time left. Um, all I know is that there was a night where there were no cops on duty in uh, the great Was it Atlanta? Of Atlanta, yeah. And that says a lot. And I just want to publicly say, y'all are some motherfucking oath breakers. That's that. You know who you are. But um, with that notion, I implore uh, anyone who's eligible, exercise those Second Amendment rights. And arm yourself and defend yourself. Like, something tells me shit's getting real. Yeah. Yes, what? We talked about it in that... uh... KKK warning, they mentioned cops, law enforcement. Yes, I know. So if you put two and two together, if you're off the radar and you know the inner workings of how the system works, Mm -hmm. very ideal conditions for Spit it out, man. Oh, uh, terror. Yeah, I know. And it needed to be said. Yeah, need to like pretty much bring it out, and people need to be vigilant. And it sucks yeah. uh, that the people that we are supposed to trust to uphold law and order are, uh, you know, are engaging in in this in acts of fucked up on this. But yeah. um, <sighs> things can always be worse. They can always be better. And just like you got on this shirt, man, upgrade America. You know what it is. Like, uh, the storm ain't gonna last forever. The sun gonna shine. It's the first day of summer. Yeah. Um, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. You know, um, you guys are fathers every day. You know, it's not just one day of the year. And, you know, it's... I don't want to say it's, it's a thankless job, you know? But uh, I think sometimes uh, fathers don't get all the appreciation that, that they need. And, you know, I guess this is just the day to show that. And um, what else? Yeah, summer solstice. I suppose I'll rant on that a bit. Oh, go for it. Summer solstice. So not only is it my birthday, it's just summer solstice. 
summer solstice is cool because it's the longest day of the year. And so after this day, what's depressing about it is after my birthday, the days will gradually get shorter or the amount of daylight we have, we lose it like about five minutes every single day. Until, oh, okay. I didn't know that. Until the winter solstice. Um, well, it would be fall, right? Fall yeah. first, winter. They do have, while there is, I think there is a fall, maybe there's a fall equinox or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. The winter solstice is, and that's kind of, I don't want to get into religion and all that, but if you notice, like, Jesus' birthday is right around the, the winter solstice. And after that, it's like, pretty much it gets dark until it gets to, uh, to Christmas, more or less 21st, 20th, 21st. And then after that, you gradually get five more days. I'm sorry, five more hours. <laughs> now I'm really bugging. Five more minutes mm-hmm. of daylight every day until my birthday. So it's like, oh, okay. I never thought of it like that. Yeah, it's like the, the universe is a clock. Or that's one of the features of, uh, of the universe is that clockwork and these mechanisms. But yeah, summer solstice is uh, it's, it's a wonderful day, man. So, so just quick off your head without Googling or anything. So it's fall equinox and spring equinox. And then is that how that plays out? Yeah, so I'm not too familiar with what the equinoxes are. I know like one of them is like where you can balance an egg or something. Mm-hmm. I think it's in the spring equinox, and I don't even remember scientifically why you can do that. Something yeah, I don't... the planets and everything lined up. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, I'll just throw. I'm more familiar with the solstices, okay, and, uh, or at least the the summer and uh, the winter one. Is there a spring one? I'm not too sure, because I'm, I'm trying to think what type of astrological event would be uh, measured by that. I really can't say. I guess Easter is a good... Because I see, when you think about poles and polarity, I see, like, summer being the polar opposite of... Winter. Winter. And so I get why they have those two solstices. And, like, I guess spring and fall are, like, kind of, like, polar opposites because they're, like, mediums of, of the two. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing. That's why I asked, like, if you just knew off the top of your head, like, is there a spring equinox, like, fall equinox? Um... I don't know if I don't even know if there's a fall equinox. It sounded. I do um, want to Google it because now you. Yeah, because it sounded familiar. Like felt like heard. Okay, so it says fall equinox 2020. Let's see what that says. Oh, so there is a. Okay, so autumn equinox in the northern hemisphere will be at 9:30 a.m. on Tuesday, September 22nd. So hold on. Now we gotta define what an equinox is because I'm not too sure. So. Define equinox. Okay. So equinox, the time or date twice each year at which the sun crosses the celestial equator when the day and night are of equal length. So about September 22nd and March 22nd, March 20th. So I guess there's a spring and a, oh, okay, it makes sense. There's a spring equinox and then there's a, a fall equinox. So there's twice a year. But now I want to define solstice. Okay. That's pretty cool. And I totally butchered the spelling. Solstice. Here we go. Okay. So, either two times a year, 
the summer solstice and the winter solstice when the sun reaches its highest or lowest point in the sky at mm-hmm. noon, marked by the longest and shortest days. So that's pretty much it's the longest and shortest days of, of the year. So I'm born in between spring equinox and summer solstice. So I'm like in right in between in May. Basically. You're Taurus, right? Yeah. My son's Taurus too. Yeah, so that's interesting. Huh. Little little fun facts. We ended on a a scientific note. I was gonna say we we added a little astrology into there and all that good stuff. But um Yeah, man, we try to keep this episode a little lighter. You know, I know it's been heavy. We want you guys to be uh, you know, to turn up, cheer up. Um everything is temporary. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask you, um, how did you feel about Juneteenth this year? Because I felt, me and my friend Chevy had a conversation. It felt like an actual holiday this year compared to other years. For me, at least. I enjoyed Juneteenth. Uh, the company I'm working with, they actually uh, gave us a half day. Mm-hmm. A bit of a surprise half day. You know, they sent out a corporate email and were like, like, um, take the, the rest of the afternoon off. Cool. And then uh, I'm, my Juneteenth was actually spent on the mountain. You know, nice. like, okay, I was like, I got the time to do, do it. I need this just to the plug, uh, unplug, you know, from everything that's going on. And, uh, you know, I'm going to hike it with my lady. And then, you know, came back, grew up, wish have. Why won't you do the roster pasta? But yeah, we just came back rubbed, you know, it was, it was a great time. But Juneteenth is, um, I think moving forward, planning it, I want to treat it more like my 4th of July. Yeah, I agree. I'm more reverence. Yeah, um, because the more you listen to it and like, it was cool seeing on IG people posting the historical facts and like so many people posting, whether they're like genuine or not, it's still awesome to see the awareness. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring up this corporate America, and we've talked about how we felt about yeah. how they've been playing both sides to a degree. And what does corporate America have to say about? Uh, hold on. To... Because so, I see a lot of participation with the whole, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. So, um, corporate, just a few of them. Adobe, mm-hmm. MasterCard, Lyft, Postmates, Quicken Loans, Square, Uber, retailers, Best Buy, Target, and JCPenney's. Um, New York Times, Washington Post, and Vox Media made Juneteenth a company holiday paid. Hmm. Company holiday. That's just like a sample. I think PA made it a real holiday. Like it's oh really? Ready, and there's some discussion of making it a federal holiday. Yeah, which um, I don't see why not. I'd have to revise the Upgrade America uh, book. Shame on me for not putting that in. Like, there's a chapter in the book Upgrade America Policy for the Future where it's saying like we need more holidays. Yeah, like. It, I don't know why it escaped me, and it's, that is a testimony of my ignorance and how it's not well, Juneteenth is not well known to me because yeah. it's been in there. 
So that's interesting. I do, even though we've had our skepticism of corporate America, I do like to see the progression of at least actions to observe, acknowledge, and converse about the social and racial injustices and actually put their money where their mouth is, basically. Well, there's um, there's much public discussion about, um, you know, the power of the black dollar and mm-hmm. also boycotting a lot of these entities. And then the Absolutely. Thing is, like, I get it, like, you boycott them. They're like, yo, we're going to boycott them on 4th of July or for, like, three days or something like that. I'm like, yeah, were I a, a, a business owner like that, I'd just be like, I'm still getting my money. I'm just getting it three days late. So that's, you know, people are realizing that and it's encouraging a lot of uh, people to, to, to buy and, and you spend their money with, with black businesses and yeah. also for, for black businesses to, you know, to step it up and, and try to become nationwide. Like, and I suppose there's a group that I'm in and I threw out the idea of building the black Amazon and what it would take to do that. Um, I think there's a version of that we bought webuyblack.com is a version of that so far and I've seen other they have two day shipping huh do they have two day shipping I am not sure on that but I know at least the framework does exist the concept does exist so it's, I'm going to look through a deeper dive into that because I did recall hearing the site I don't really uh, meant, I don't really uh, I didn't really take a look at it just yet yeah, but I sent you the link. You get it. Offer is now goods. Is it goods and services? Is it what? Is it both goods and services? I think it's more goods than services, but okay. I think most of the goods are black owned. That's it. Because I'm thinking like, you know, at least a conglomerate site where you can just have like, okay, I'm in Chi Town. This is the list of all the vendors and stuff here. Where I'm in, like New York, I'm in Brooklyn, like, and then you can see everything. They have apps for that too, for black businesses in certain areas, and there's stuff that exists. The problem is we're not aware of the brands, we're not aware of the apps. That's the issue. Uh, there's awareness that we totally need, but also I think, um, and I mention this every time, this COVID is going to make a billionaire, if not trillionaire, from someone who really masters the shipping. Like you see that Amazon is deviating its dependency from uh, FedEx and they're doing their own thing. Yeah. But I foresee people being at home for a while and ordering a lot of stuff. So yeah. if you want to make some bread, get into the, to the logistics game, getting to shipping. And, you know, for, for that, um, even if you're buying everything black, then you still have to depend on, you know, one of the conventional means of shipping. That's still a chunk of change that's that's being uh, back into it. What do they call it? Vertical integration or need more vertical integration? Now, what do you, what do you, how do you define that? Basically, you control like shipping, manufacturing, and all that at the top. Vertical integration. I like that term. And I'm going to look more into that. Yeah. That's basically like, give you an example Skyward is vertical integration. You already know, man. Skyward Building the Dream just dropped yesterday. It's my birthday and get your copy. I'm going to drop the link in 
Um, I'll drop it definitely in the podcast and maybe even after the live. But yeah, it's broken down in the skyward too. I suppose I'll, I, I'll, my closing remarks, I can talk a little bit more about that. Essentially, skyward is like, it's my dream. I want to build a building out of plastic four miles high and four miles wide, dedicate the base to housing the 500,000 plus homeless people in America and also have the largest indoor vertical farm. Um, Moreover, in order to pay for this, it would be some sort of trickle down economics. You have a 4.4 mile high building. That's clearly going to be the most valuable real estate in the world when you're talking about hotels and luxury condos. I want to use that revenue to pay for the the homeless shelter and uh, the vertical farms and also a volunteer hospital below. Trickle down economics at its finest. That's my proposal. However, an unlikely event that um, the US government is unwilling to facilitate equality for black people. Um, I aim to seek reparations in the form of 444 square miles in Death Valley. And I would also like the funding to build the building detailed in my book. And um, in the event that America is unwilling to host such a, a black state or community within the sovereign land, then, you know, I would seek to have a bilateral agreement with Africa, purchase the same amount of land in Africa that we can build skyward and establish a, a safe haven for black people. Because right now I told you we're in Charlie. Charlie, force protection in Charlie, and I think it, it's real out there, and I don't feel safe or appreciated by this nation. And so that's my proposal if they're not willing to meet us for legislation. Now, like, let's be realistic on the reparations. There's these plans for like 14 trillion. White America will burn this nation to the ground before they pay us that. But I think they would compromise for our exodus. Like, oh, we only got to pay 4.4 trillion to get all the black people out. They might be willing to do that. And um, that raises an interesting question. Would everybody leave if you get paid to leave? Not everyone would leave. Not, I mean, there's, but here's the thing, what you must consider, and it's not like I'm running away from America, like, yeah, I love this country, I fought hard for this country. Absolutely. Um, as a student of history, it ain't hard to tell when the empire is in decline. And right now we are, uh, are, are it's in declination. Like, you have, you have states, entire states that are declaring bankruptcy. They want to file for bankruptcy because they're broke. But here we are, we have these hundred billionaires because they're taking all the resources, they're taking all the wealth, they're squeezing it out of the nation and your wealth we just got, man, wealthy and your states are going bankrupt. Your states are going bankrupt, the people are pissed off, we are an empire in decline. So it's, it's no secret that this, uh, this nation's going to hell. But before it does, let me get those reparations so that we can bring, we can build a, a safe haven for you know, for your your bastard stepchildren, you know, that you were taken here captive and then you're like, can't have slaves no more. What are we going to do with them? Let's just keep oppressing them until they burn the place down. And that's where we're at right now. And um, again, I get it. I get it. You don't want us here because we can't be your cattle. I get it. So by all means, it's a peaceful solution. Like we can have our exodus, whether in Death Valley, build this mega city out there, 
or somewhere in Africa where I think it would be well more receptive. But that's how I'm feeling right now. That's really how I'm feeling. I don't want to. I don't want to fight you guys. I don't want to fight you guys for this. Like you want, you want America? Cool. But like, I'm, this is a, uh, a peaceful, peaceful. Uh, how do you say? Proposition for you. Take I, it up. I think us going global is the next step in Black Americans to go global is the next step in evolution for our survival. To be honest. Um. I mean, um, I totally agree with you on that, but it's not like, um, I don't know, man. Like, I understand, like, we, we've discussed being abroad, and that's looking mighty attractive, you know, for me, and I'm working towards that, and we can do our show on the road, and we'll oh, be... No, but I'm just talking about like a place where we, we need that. Like you have Indian reservations and much power to you. Like, love yeah. it. And it, that's all I feel like. That's what we need. Like a, a reservation that can't be where because I'm not saying we living in fear, but we are concerned. It's a realistic uh, threat that you know that we have to deal with. And um, I don't know. It's, it, I think that's a I want to say a easy. But it is a feasible way to provide reparation. You know, we were there was a promise of forty acres in the mule. You know, like why not live up to that legacy and finally seal the deal? That's that's all I'm proposing. I'm curious what I'm just thinking what if a mass exodus, like if we all left, what that would look like? What would America look like after uh, the absence of the black dollar? <laughs> a huge chunk of your GDP. Um, I don't know, man. It's like that'd be an interesting social experience. Had to take an educated guess. What percentage do you think? And and again, like where we're the, the way it's detailed is like we're building a futuristic city of what kind? Where yeah, more or less. <laughs> like we're building a, a futuristic city where everyone can live in, in luxury, you know. And it's like what percentage do you think? I'm, I don't want to say I'm going to be skeptical and say like 30 to 40 percent at the most. Talking about like leaving? Yeah. Yeah, I can see I can see people rolling out. I mean, there are trends seeing African-Americans leaving America and going to Africa and living. Even if they gave us 444 square miles of space to build something up in the desert, do you think people would be on board for that? I think once it got built, yes. And the process of building and... Uh, the groundwork. But fortunately, you know, 3D printing, module building, I don't want to say you can just whip that thing together, but it, it can be done. And yeah, I'll be honest. I'll, like the Hoover Dam, I want to say, it employed a total, not at one time, but a total of 51,000 people. Yeah. So a mega project like Skyward, it's difficult to say. Yeah, you know, comparison and magnitude is much greater, but I don't know. That's a that's my dream. I shared it in my new book. I really hope you guys grab it, check it out, and um, that's a, that's my little way to upgrade America. But that's all I got, man. Y'all be safe. Enjoy uh, the other holiday that's coming up, because um, <laughs> that's coming. Hypocrisy um, Day. Yeah, Hypocrisy Day. I like that. That's a good uh, t-shirt idea. 
Hypocrisy Day. Um, yeah, man, we just do what we do. Make sure we keep communicating. Make sure we stay healthy, stay safe, and do the best we can. Mm -hmm. Keep pushing. But, yo, I appreciate y'all for celebrating uh, my birthday with me. Coming in, hanging out, you know, watching, watching our show. And just everyone, be safe, be healthy, have fun, and... Go chase your 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 version of happiness. Go pursue your your dream and, and happiness, cause that's what we're here to do on this life we created. But yeah, upgrade America, greatest show on earth. CJ man, it's always a pleasure, bro. Yo, catch y'all on the next episode. Peace. Peace.